Good day to you fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. Praise God. Sounds like you missed me. Amen. Praise God. No, I'm kidding. Um, it's, a, it's always an honor to be able to share the Word of God with you. Um, I love our pastors, and I am uh, 100% uh, uh, a proponent of, you know, pastors getting their time off and their rest. And however I can serve, it's always a privilege for me to serve uh, by bringing the Word. And um, I want to share a word with you out of the book of Romans. Um, I, I, I obviously preached it in the 9 o'clock service, and um, I'm probably going to approach it just a tad bit different in this service just because of how I feel the Spirit guiding me. Um, so if you would go, uh, if the, I know they're going to put it up on the screen, to Romans chapter 12. Uh, we're going to preach under the theme, give and go. Give and go. And I know when you hear the word give, 99.999% of your brain thinks about money. Praise God. But I promise you that we're not going to preach about money today. Amen. Glory to God. And uh, I believe this church uh, is in a moment right now uh, where the Spirit of God, the Spirit that has been uh, given to each and every one of us wants to manifest to a greater level in this season. Can you say amen? There, there, there's a movement of Holy Spirit that is coming to every, not just this church, not just this building, not just this community, but to every household. Can you say amen? To every marriage, to every young person, to every relationship. And we have to be ready and we have to know what to do with the move of God. Praise God. We need to know what to do when Holy Spirit begins to manifest his gifts that are in each and every one of us. Each and every one of you has a gift. Each and every one of you that are sitting in this room right now has a gift that God has given you by grace. And it is the work of the enemy to try to get you to keep that gift wrapped. Praise the Lord. Each family in this place, because the gifts are individual, but the gifts are also. So let's, let's put, let, let, let me teach it to you this way. What are churches made of? Churches are made of families. Families are made of people. Families are made of marriages. Marriages are made of two individuals, man and a woman, and they have kids. That's their family. That family comes to church. Another family comes to church, and so on and so forth. So churches are made up of families. So individually you have gifts. Your family has gifts. Your marriage has gifts. Therefore, we are a gifted church. Can you say amen? So it's the work of the enemy to try to get you to wrap those gifts and sit on those gifts and not allow those gifts to be manifest. He's going to try to do it in the most minuscule form possible. He's going to try to do it to you individually. He's going to try to do it to you in your marriage. He's going to try to do it to you in your parenthood. So your relationships are essential. The way you carry your relationships, the way you cultivate 
elevate your relationships, how you involve God in your relationships are essential to you manifesting your gifts. Because if the enemy can make you incapable of keeping God in your relationships, then he can make you incapable of utilizing the gifts that God wants to manifest in those relationships. Just like we have a relationship with our spouses, I have to, I have to manifest, I have to uh, release the gift of being a great loving husband. That's a gift. There are people that struggle. There are husbands that struggle with showing love. There are women that struggle with not being so overly uh, suspicious all the time. There's so many things on and on and down the line that in your relationships, in every relationship, we can point to and look at and be like, the enemy can use this to break up this relationship. The enemy can use this to mess up this relationship. The enemy can use this to mess up this, this father's relationship with his son, this mother's relationship. I re one, of the, one of the most incredible miracles that I've seen in my ministry was one time, this was a very long time ago, uh, I was preaching in Spain. And amongst, there was, there was just a move of the spirit in the one revival service that we had. And there was, there was physical healings that you could see it. But the other one was... One of, the, one of the leaders from the church came to me while we were ministering and said, we have, I have to tell you this because this is a miracle right now. You see that woman over there that's hugging her, that girl? That woman is hugging her daughter because her daughter, and, and, and this just happened right now. They haven't spoken in years. That, that, that daughter hasn't spoken. She's had this anger and she's had this resentment towards her mom. And her mom's been suffering because she can't, she can't get through to her daughter. And you see them over there. They're hugging and they're crying. They've just forgiven each other. They've just told each other that they love each other. So I, for, for me, there was brokenness in a home. And in, the, in, in, a, in, a, in an instant... Holy Spirit was able to restore a broken relationship. So this is, these are the things that your gifts, your gifts are given to you for. Your gifts aren't given to just so that you can say you have them. Just so that you can be like, I'm gifted. No, you have been given gifts because God wants you to give and go to the next opportunity for you to continue to give. Praise the Lord. Give what? Give your gifts. Give what God has called you to give. So in Romans chapter 12, now this, this chapter is very well known because of its first two verses. And I'll touch those first two verses briefly. But I want to take you to verse 6 through 8. It says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. He has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If your gift is giving, then give generously. If God has given you a leadership ability, take responsibility 
for that gift and do it seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Do it gladly. So Paul is writing to a church that he's never been to. He's writing to a church that the only relationship that he has with this church has been a quote-unquote pen pal relationship. Praise God. Y'all remember that term, pen pals? I don't think we have that anymore since texting, right? So, so he has a, a relationship with the church in Rome that he has never been to. He has a relationship, and this relationship is based upon Paul's desire, Paul's desire to get there. He wants to get there. He's tried to get there. He's tried to visit this church. He's tried to travel to this church, but he has not had the opportunity. He himself admits that the Holy Spirit has not led him to visit them. But he writes with humility. He writes with a great deal of admiration for the church in Rome. Because when you go to chapter 1 and verse 8, uh, he's writing and he's saying, your faith is being uh, proclaimed in all of the world. So this is a church that was not just any little old church in a little village or any old little church that had a, a, a few people. No, this was a large church. This was a church where the Spirit of God was moving. This was a church that was releasing the gifts that God had given them. Notice how he doesn't mention a pastor. Go to Romans 1 and read it. He doesn't mention a pastor. He doesn't mention a, a bishop. He doesn't mention an apostle. He's speaking to a church with admiration. He didn't speak like this to the church in Corinthians when he told them, I have tried to give you a, a substantial revelation. Uh, he calls it, I've tried to give you good nourishment, but you, you, you're still babies in Christ. So I've had to give you milk. So Paul will tell it like it is in these letters. Paul will tell it like it is in these letters. And he's not speaking to a pastor per se. Maybe he wrote a different letter to the leader of the church or to the apostles uh, in charge of the church or to the pastor of the church. Maybe he wrote a different letter. But in what we see in the scripture, he's writing to a church. And in the church in Rome, Rome was the great metropolis. Rome was the center of the universe. Rome was New York City, okay? And in Rome, the immorality, the immorality that was happening in Rome, the sinfulness that was happening in Rome, I think you can compare it to what we're seeing right now. You can compare it to what we're seeing right now with the sinfulness and the immorality that's all around us. And in the midst of that, you have the persecution from the Roman Empire. In the midst of that, you still had false prophets. In the midst of that, you still had false teachers and false apostles. And you had the religious of the religious Jews still trying to keep the Christians from proclaiming that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again on the third day. So 
in the midst of all of that adversity, Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and he's saying, because your faith is being talked about all over the world, which means that your faith can get to a level where it's being talked about in other places, praise the Lord. Your faith can get to a level where people around the world are admiring it. Man, that church in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, they have great faith. The the, the the Lord does great things in that church of Central Assembly of God. You can get to a level where you're so focused on the Spirit of God moving in your life, in your marriage, in your house, in your job, and in this church that people that you don't even know are going to hear about it. People you've never met. Your impact will reach people that you never touch, that you never speak to, that you never have a conversation with. That's the gift that God has given you because faith is a gift. So the gift of the church of Rome, according to what Paul is saying, is the gift of faith. Your faith is such that it's being talked about all over the world. Paul is admiring the church in Rome. He's giving them the credit that they're due because they have not sat on their gift. You, you don't sit on your gift of faith and have people talk about your faith all over the world. You don't get scared to share your faith or to reflect your faith and have people talk about your faith all over the world. Praise the Lord. The faith that is manifest in your marriage, the faith that is manifest in your parenting, the faith that is manifest in your family, in the nucleus of your family, is not a faith that you sit on and then see another family going through the same situation that your family is going through and talk about your faith. But when your faith is elevated because the adversity that you're facing is not keeping you from releasing your gift. What, what, does that, what, what does elevated faith mean? It means that when you're faced with adversity, the enemy thinks that adversity is the great neutralizer of your gift. The enemy thinks that opposition is the great neutralizer of your gift. The enemy thinks that when you're in a, in a hard place, when you're in a dark place, when you're in a place of loneliness and depression and frustration that that is the great neutralizer of your gift but if Paul the apostle is an example he is releasing his gift from a prison he is manifesting his gift after being stoned, after being beaten, after being accused, after being persecuted. Which means that there is no adversity that can neutralize your gift if you stand, if you stand on what you have been given. If you allow your gift to be put in God's hands, a lot of us want to release what what we feel is our calling on our terms. Hallelujah. We, we, we want to do ministry how we want to do ministry. I admire Nick and Emily so much. You know why? It's not because they're just awesome. Okay? It's because they know the identity of their gift. They know what God has given them 
and they're not doing it their way. They're doing it God's way. And what they're doing is things that people don't want to do. So, so you can't expect to see what nobody is seeing if you're not willing to do what nobody is doing. So if you want to see God manifest like nowhere else people are seeing God move, then you need to do what they're not doing where he's not moving. Praise God. And it's so simple that it goes down, it comes down to you utilizing your gift. Here's why. Because when you say you want to see God move, when you say you want to be part of a revival, when you say you want to jump into the fire of God and you want to see God restore your kids and God restore your marriage or whatever it is in your life that you need God to touch. Whatever it is in your life that needs a touch from the Lord. Whatever it is in your life that needs resurrect, resurrecting, whatever dry bones in your, in your marriage, in your family, in your children, in, your, in the relationship you have with your mom or your dad or your cousin or whoever it was that hurt you. Whatever area of your life that needs a touch of God needs for you to do something that you've never done in that area. You've never given that area to God. You've always tried for, for God to be the one to fix it your way. You've always, you're, you're praying about it and you're asking God to touch it. And you're asking God to lift it up. And you're asking God to restore it. And you're telling God to take away the things that need to be taken away. And you're asking God to step in. But you're still trying to have him do it according to your terms. See, the woman with the issue of blood, she did everything that she could on her terms. She went through every hoop she needed to go through. She was limited by the religious, uh, the, the religious construct. She was limited by what the law said. She, she did everything she could. She had money, she spent money. She went to the best doctors. She did everything she could. When she found Jesus, she didn't offer money. When she found Jesus, she didn't say, I've tried this, I've tried that, I've tried this. No, when she found Jesus, she said, I don't even need him to touch me. I just, I need, if I can just touch the simplest part of his garment, the hem of his garment, I know that I will be made whole. So she came to Jesus with no agenda. She came to Jesus with no pride. She came to Jesus not trying to fit Jesus into her mold. She fit herself. She broke herself out of the religious construct. And she said, all I need to do is reach him. All I need to do is get to where he is, and I know he'll take care of the rest. I don't need him to prophesy. I don't need him to pray for me. I don't need him to put his hand on me. I don't need him to know. I just need to touch him. Sometimes you need to get rid of all of the plans that you made. You need to forget all the plans that you made. You need to forget about what you were taught. 
There's things that you can't pray away. There's things that you just need to stand firm and believe in God. There's things that you just need to do what God has gifted you to do. And God will take care of the rest. God, God can resolve problems that you pay no mind to. And the reason why he hasn't solved those problems is because you're paying too much mind to them. Glory. You can, it's, it's, like, the, it's like the lady that lost her son after Elisha told her she was going to have a son. When he died, she was like, when asked by her husband, is everything okay? Yeah, everything is fine. I know what I have to do. I know what I have to do. How many Christians, the rhetoric is, re is in reverse. Lord, what do I do? What do I do, Lord? But this woman, I know what I have to do. So this is, this is part of your gift. Because when, when you understand what God has given you, when you understand that you do not have empty hands... You do not have empty hands. It doesn't matter how broken you feel. Hallelujah, I feel the Lord. It doesn't matter how distant you feel. It doesn't matter how beat down you feel in your life. You do not have empty hands. Moses was leading four million people out of slavery. Out of slavery. He told them, follow me, guys. Follow me if you want to be free. And they followed him. And he ran them into the middle of the desert in, the, in, in front of a Red Sea. Now what? Now what? Wait a second. We followed you out here because you said we was going to be free. And now what do we do? We have Pharaoh behind us and the Red Sea in front of us. Why did you bring us out here to die like this, Moses? And Moses was like, what do I do now? Be real. This, Moses wasn't, at this stage, he wasn't a giant in the faith. He was just being obedient. Moses still had a lot of work God had to do on him. And, and God still wasn't able to do all the work he needed to do because Moses was just Moses. So even though he was a great man of faith, he had his issues. So Moses is like, he starts to cry out to God. And God says, what do you have in your hand? Because sometimes the thing that you need for God to move in the problem that you need God to move in is right in your hand. It's your gift. It's what God gave you. God did not bring you from the darkness where you were always dependent on something else. Whether it was alcohol, whether it was drugs, whether it was sex, whether it was 
violence, whether it was crime, whether it was hanging out with the wrong people, you always depended on someone else to feel fulfilled and satisfied when you were in the darkness. He did not bring you from darkness to light for you to still be dependent on somebody else for you to be feel fulfilled. As soon as you came to the altar, as soon as you made that prayer of faith, as soon as you said the sinner's prayer, you were endowed with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost came upon you. And the Bible says, if the spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is in you, he will also resurrect everything that's dead in your life. Everything that needs restoration in your life, you already have the that's going to make it get up. You already have it. You already have it. You already have it. We have to understand this. We have to walk in this. We have to live this. You know why? Because a revival is not supposed to be for the church. A revival is not for you. A revival is for you to bring somebody who needs to be revived. That was John the Baptist's problem. John the Baptist is in jail. And he tells one of his disciples, he says, can you go ask Jesus? Because I'm conflicted. I'm confused. I don't know what happened. I thought this would be different. Go ask Jesus if he's actually the Messiah or if we're waiting for another. When the disciple goes to Jesus and and asks Jesus, uh, John the Baptist wants to know if you're the Messiah or if we're waiting for another. Jesus didn't tell him, well, tell him to read Isaiah chapter whatever or tell him to read Jeremiah chapter whatever. No, he said, tell John that the sick are healed. Tell John that the captives are being preached the gospel and are being freed from captivity. Tell John that the lame are walking. Tell John that the deaf are hearing. Tell John that demons are being casted out. Because John thought that revival started with him. If I'm not feeling it, if God's not doing it with me, then he's not doing it at all. Well, he already did it with you. You don't need to be revived. You just need a good slap upside your head so that your faith can get into the right place and you can start releasing the gifts that God has given you. You're not dead. You're not in darkness. You're not in chain, but I feel so depressed. Rebuke the devil. You have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. God has given you the light. God has given you the power. God has given you the anointing. God has given you the authority. 
So we're like John because we're not seeing God move the way we, I didn't know this was going to happen to my family. I didn't know this was going to come to my doorstep. It came, but you have already, the, you already have the victory over that problem. So here's the thing. So revival, this is what needs to, these are the, this is the evidence that there's revival. Souls are saved. The gospel is being preached. Signs and wonders. Okay. And the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Okay. That's the evidence. Not you having money in the bank. Not you getting the promotion at work. Not everything being uh, roses and daisies in your marriage. No. Revival is, is, revival happens from within the church outward. 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 I, I, I was so caught up in a church for so many years. I was so caught up in a system that as long as on Sunday we jumped and we danced and we moved around and people fell on the floor. And people prophesied, and the spirit of, and we would play those, those coritos, you know. We would play those real fast songs. I remember one time I was playing the keyboard for like a half hour, man. This dude just kept going and going and going and going. And I just stopped playing. My hands hurt. You know, because, you know, we're not playing how great is our God. You know, I can play that for two hours. We're, we're playing like legit salsa music. You know, see, so you're going 80 miles an hour on the keyboard. And he just kept going and going and going and going. And I was like, yeah, you keep going. I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a little break. Halftime, thank you. You know what I mean? And, and I was just so tired as long. But there was no outreach. Nobody getting saved in the services. There was no outdoor revivals. There was no hitting the streets. There was no evangelizing. Evangel uh, evangelism was let's get together and bring an evangelist from Puerto Rico. We lost sight of the gift. We had the gift wrapped. And because we were indoctrinated a certain way to believe that God can only move a certain way, to believe that revival was a certain way, we were, we were sitting on our hands and our gift was wrapped. But then God opened my eyes. And God told me, look at the last six years of your ministry. He says, have you really impacted the lost? Have you really preached to the lost? I was like, wow. And it, I had to uproot myself. I had to uproot myself. I had to cut off the relationship that was a good one, but it wasn't a God one. God opened the door and he said, you can stay there and be a well-known evangelist in, an, in a denomination and go from pulpit to pulpit, from revival to revival, from church to church, and they give you $50 and a Sprite and they send you on your way. $50 in an alcapurria or 
$25 and three pastelillos. And you drove two hours away. Do you remember that, Robert? Do you remember? Because you're trying to do ministry your way. I got slapped in the face already. You know what I'm saying? I already got slapped in the face. So I'm good with the slappings of the face. And I don't mean to do that here. I want to open your eyes. Sometimes we're rooted in the wrong thing, even though it's something that's not wrong. Sometimes you're rooted in the wrong thing. You're operating in the wrong gift. You're doing the wrong ministry. You're serving in the wrong thing. And even though it's not wrong. So this is, this is, this is how the enemy, this is how the enemy keeps your gift wrapped. He keeps your gift wrapped. Hallelujah. So here's what happens. So, so, so Paul, he, he writes to Rome, and he, uh, he's inspired by Rome. He's like, if, if this, is, this, is the, this is what I, this is what I, uh, I'm proud of being thrown in jail for. If, I w if I'm able to cultivate, if I'm able to doctrinate, if I'm able to teach, if I'm able to to uh, nourish a church and see the church grow like this, then this is all worth it. So he's writing to the church in Rome, and, and he's complimenting the church in Rome. And at the end, this is towards the end of his letter, he is talking to Rome, to the church in Rome, about their gifts. He talks to them about their gifts. He says, you all have different. We all have different gifts for doing different things well. Do you remember when the evil spirit sent by God? That's a theological conundrum right there. The Bible says that God sent Saul an evil spirit to torment him. And that only when David would play the harp, that evil spirit would leave Saul alone. You guys remember that story? When you go, when you backtrack a few verses from David getting there, Saul already had gifted musicians playing music for him. See, but these were the musicians that were playing for Saul. Because he was simply the king. And the king had, he had a, a, a band. He had music playing in the palace and, and, and all that stuff that you can imagine a king would have. He, so these, these musicians were, they were good, but they weren't good enough to make evil spirits leave. They weren't good enough to make evil spirits leave. So Saul says to his servant, he says, find me someone who plays well. There's so much material here for like a, a worship team conference. And I have used that portion and I break it down and I feel like I tell the worship team, you guys stink. 
because I get so passionate about what he said there. Find me someone who plays well. There's a reason why certain people get a no after their worship team audition. You know what I mean? Because it's not just you're going to come up here and you're going to sing. You're going to come up because you love to. Yeah, you love to worship. That's great. But this is a different level of ministry. And God has given people the gift to do it well. And then other people just have a little bit of that gift naturally, but they don't necessarily do it well. You know, you, you might be able to organize and do your taxes, but you're probably not gifted enough to run the books of a church. You understand what I'm saying? You, you're probably a great dad. That doesn't mean that you can do a better job than the pastor of the church at pastoring the church. So, so Paul's saying here, he's given us gifts to do certain things well. That is a very important word, folks. Why? Because everything that we do for God, we can't do it halfway. We can't do it and, and let it happen however it happens. Who cares? You have to do it well. And for you to do something well, that is a whole nother message. For you to do something well, you have to believe in what you're doing. You have to understand in what you're doing. You have to pray about what you're doing. You have to plan about what it is you're going to do. You have to consult God. You have to surround yourself with the correct resources for you to do it well. So when Saul went and asked for someone to do who can play well, they went and got David. And David came, and as soon as he started playing, Saul felt the relief. Why? Because David was anointed to do that. David was anointed to do that. David wasn't just doing that to do it. You cannot, but you, you cannot get to the level where your gift is being an impact if you're not doing it well. And a lot of people do a lot of things okay. But they don't do one thing well. That's why I'm not playing professional baseball right now. Because I was really good at four different sports. But I wasn't great at one, which would have been baseball, because I was so focused on all of the other ones. I was okay with doing all of the other ones good if I would have just closed the door to the rest and went to one and did it well. And sometimes we're stretched in so many different ministries because it's good to want to be involved. It's good to want to serve. But you need to ask God for direction on where you need to give your gift. So... Let me accelerate here. There's three directions that God wants you to give. There's three directions. In order for you to get to your goal season, the season where you have the doors open, the season where God is giving you the opportunity, the season where you're 
your mindset is already, uh, it's already framed in a way where the only thing that you're focused on is God using your gift to impact somebody else. Where the only thing you're focused on is how can I make my marriage better? How can I make my church better? How can I make my kids better? How can we get closer to God? How can we do more for the Lord? So these are the three directions. The first one is up. When you give up, you do. Now, let me rephrase. You're not giving up. You're giving up. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Directionally, para arriba, up. Arriba. Say, everybody say it with me. Arriba. That's your Spanish lesson for the day. Arriba. We're going to see all the white parents tonight. Telling their kids, arriba. Praise God. When you give up, you're doing what Jesus said you needed to do in Matthew 22, verse 37. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. You must love God with all of you, your heart, your soul, your mind. Those are the three things that run your life. You need to give them to God. You need to give them up. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, when Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you want to be my follower, what do you have to do? Three things. Give up your own way. Give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. You will never be able to unwrap the gift that by grace God has given you if there's still too much of you involved. If there's still too much of me involved, then the things that are not of me cannot evolve in my life. Praise the Lord. Cannot grow in my life. I need to decrease so that the things of God in me can increase. There's increase in your life when you decrease. There's increase in your finances when you stop wasting them. There's increase in your relationships when you allow God to be the center of those relationships. Even if it's a mere friendship, even if it's a, a colleagueship, if that's even a word, in your job. Let God be the center of everything you do because you are tethered to him. You are surrendered to him. So when you give up, you do what Paul said. He said, I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified. He went as far as putting himself on the cross with Jesus. He went, he didn't just sing, I surrender. All. No, he said, I am crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but he lives in me. That kind of surrender. That kind of giving of yourself. Number two, he wants you to give around. He wants you to give around. He wants you to impact the people around you. It starts in your house. 
Then it goes into your family. Then it goes into your community. It goes into your job. Then when you're in your go season, that God is giving you the opportunity, that God is entrusting you with sending you. Now you're able to impact people at a greater measure. But it all starts with you giving around. Around you. Acts chapter 3. Peter and John are walking to the temple to pray. There's a lame man there, 39 years. He looks at them, asks them for some money. Peter and John look at him. Peter says, we don't have no money. But what we do have, we will give you. Get up in the name of Jesus of Nazarene and walk. He unwrapped his gift to someone that was around him. God has called us to do that well. So if God has given you the ability to do it, then use your faith, unwrap the gift, and do it. Do it with fervor. Don't be like Timothy. Timothy was a great preacher. Timothy was a great teacher. Timothy was a young and up-and-coming minister. He was a force to be reckoned with until his head, until his mind began to think too much about what was happening to other people around him. And rightfully so, he's human. But Paul had to write him a letter when he found out, yo, man, Timothy is struggling right now. Timothy's going through a rough time right now. Timothy's in the, he's in the middle of, a, of some persecution. And, and he's, stopping to, he's stopping to preach. He's not, he's not preaching like he used to. He's not teaching like he used to. So, so Paul goes and he writes to Timothy in his second letter. And he says, he says, I thank God. I thank God who I serve. Without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers. I greatly desire to go see you, being mindful of the tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call in remembrance the genuine faith that is in you that was first in your grandma, then in your mother, and I know it's in you. He's, he, he writes to him and he says, you have faith, Timothy. That same faith that was in your grandmother, that same faith that was in your mother, that faith is also in you. It is a genuine, it is a great faith. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you. That gift that is in you is under attack by fear, under attack by frustration, under attack by confusion, under the attack of mediocrity. Because mediocrity is the great killer of a move of God. Conformity. When you, you're satisfied with what God has done already. You're satisfied with where God has brought you. No, stir up that gift of God. Because he hasn't given you a spirit of fear. He hasn't given you a spirit of fear. He hasn't given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of power, of love, and of sound mind, of self-control. What has he given you? What do you already have? You already have it, church. Central Assembly already has it. We don't need to ask God for it. We just need to ask God to... Take us into the ghost season. The ghost season is now. You know why? Because the darkness hasn't stopped. 
The devil hasn't stopped binding people. The devil hasn't stopped binding people. The devil is smarter than a lot of people think. People think that, 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 that we, we come to church on Sunday and we worship. Man, he is devising a plan right now to destroy people. There are people being destroyed right now. And you have the gift that can stop the enemy in his tracks. You have the gift. You have the power. You have the authority. You have the anointing to stop the devil in his tracks when he comes for your children. To stop the devil in his tracks when they're trying to indoctrinate your children with lies and with evilness in school, in universities. You have the anointing. You have the gift. It's time to unwrap it. Don't, don't let fear keep that gift wrapped. It's time for you. It's time for you to give it without thinking about the consequences. Without thinking about what's going to happen to you. You know why Christians are like no one else, no other religion, no other faith. Because it doesn't matter if you're sick, you can still be used by God. It doesn't matter if you're in a wheelchair, you can still be used by God. It doesn't matter if you're going through the worst storm in your life. You, in the middle of that storm, you can speak healing over somebody and see God use you. In the middle of your darkest times, you're unsure of what's going to happen. You're, you, you're, you got your families divided. Your marriage is under, under attack. Whatever the adversity could be. The reason why Chris, the, the believers are like nobody else is because in the middle of those adversities, God can still use you. But I have, to get, I have to take my perspective, my focus, I have to take it away from being okay with God blessing me while I'm in adversity. And, and, and I have to focus on God using me while I'm in adversity. I'm too worried about just simply getting by and having God bless me. And all, my whole struggle... My whole struggle is for God to bless me. God didn't bless. Nowhere in the Bible does, does, does it say that God blessed Jacob after wrestling with the angel. No. The Bible says that he changed his name. Amen. He changed his name. He says, so you will be called Israel. What's Israel. Israel was a blessing to all of the world because God told Abraham, he said, through your descendants, I will rise up a nation that will be a blessing to the entire world. And he gave the name of the nation to Jacob. So the name he got was to bless the world. In the middle of your struggle, you need to tell God to unwrap the gift that even though you don't see an immediate blessing, you're able to bless somebody else. You're able to impact. That is what the church is. Do you think the church stopped being killed? People in the primitive church stopped being killed? 
because miracles were happening, the more miracles happened, the more persecuted they were. The more people got thrown into the Colosseum, the more people were martyred, the more Nero put them up on stakes in his garden and burned them alive. But the church, that didn't stop the church from doing miracles. And it didn't stop God from blessing them to the point where they needed nothing. You see how that works? Because I need to, I need to give up, around, and down. That's the last one. So you need to learn that your obedience, your obedience counts as if you are sowing. When you sow obedience, you reap God's blessing. When you sow faithfulness, you reap God's blessing. When you sow faith, you reap supernatural blessing. Your gift of faith, you got to sow it. Everywhere you go, you're planting. You're planting. You're planting. Why? Because when you plant, you're committing to seeing it grow. When you give your gift of encouragement, when you serve somebody that needs serving, when you, when you speak to somebody that you don't know and you speak a word that uplifts them, you're sowing into them. That is going to commit you to making sure that that person grows or that that situation is transformed. Whatever it is I'm sowing into, sow into that problem in your marriage. Sow a word of faith. Sow a word of knowledge. Sow a prophecy. That's your gift. Sow it into that problem and you're going to see the problem transform in Jesus' mighty name. Galatians chapter 6. I leave you with this verse. Do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. You will always harvest what you plant. If you're not seeing it, it's because you never sowed it. If you're not seeing it, it's because you never sowed it. Hallelujah. And I guarantee you that if you start sowing it, you're going to start seeing it. I said this in the 9 a.m. I'm going to say it here. Perhaps... Your gift cannot impact the immediate need of someone. But your gift can immediately impact someone in need. Maybe you can't solve their immediate problem. But that shouldn't keep you from wanting to unwrap your gift and impact that person because I guarantee you that there's a need that that gift is going to touch. That is what this church is about. We're not trying to pay everybody's rent. But we're trying to tell everyone that their salvation has been paid for. We're not trying to get people unbroke. We're trying to show people that there is a God that once they commit their lives to him, he takes care of all of that. So where is my gift? And when can I go? 
Where is my gift? Is it wrapped? Am I sitting on it? Am I hiding it? Did I bury it like the, like the man who was given the talent? He, he, he buried it, came back with nothing. He buried it. Where is my gift? Where is my talent? Where is my ministry? What am I doing with what God has given me? God is saying, what do you have in your hand? And you're crying out. And he's saying, you have it. And you're saying, I need it. And he's saying, you have it. And you're saying, I need it. And he's saying, you have it. It means you must be listening to the wrong things. It means you must be feeding yourself with the wrong things. It means that your, your eyes aren't where they need to be, but that's okay. Because it doesn't matter. That gift cannot be taken away from you. Hallelujah. See, the devil knows he can't take it away from you. He's just trying to get you to think you're, you're not able to use it because you don't have it. It was never given. You're not a preacher. You're not someone who's, a, you're not a people person. You have an attitude problem. You're so nasty or you're rude. See, he puts people in your lives who come and they say that to you. And, and he's, he tries to make you think you don't have a gift. But God, from before he knew you in your mother's womb, he gifted you. He gave you something that would impact the world around you. And this is your go season. This is your go season. The light is green. It's time to put it in first gear and press on the gas. See the front of the car come up like fast and furious and go. Central is in a season of going. This is in a season of, of kumbaya and, and peace and all this other stuff and let's see what's on the news. No, this is a season of going into your family. You have a cousin who's a drug addict. You have an aunt who's a, in witchcraft. You have an alcoholic uncle. You have somebody who you can go to right now and simply use your gift to impact their lives. Why? Because this is the season of go right now and Jesus told the disciples whatever you believe these signs will follow those who believe he says these signs will follow follow means something follow you can't follow somebody who's staying still that's not following for the signs to follow you you have to go Peter's, his shadow healed the sick because he was going. Signs. Your shadow follows you wherever you go. I can't get rid of that shadow right there. It's going to follow you wherever you go. His shadow was healing the sick because he was moving. This is your season to move, church. Somebody shout hallelujah. This is your season to move. Stand on your feet. Lift your hands. Close your eyes. This is your season to go. This is the season of your marriage to go. This is the season for your family to go. You know what God has given you. You know what your gifts are. Your gift is to prophesy. Your gift is to preach. Your gift is to sing. Your gift is to pray. Your gift is to heal the sick. Your gift is to visit people who are depressed. You have a gift and now it's time to go. 
There's no waiting for God to give it to you. You already have it. There's no waiting for God to lift you up. You're already standing. There's no waiting for God to fix you. He's already fixed you. You just need to fix your eyes on him and go. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing of God in this place. I feel the anointing. I feel like, I feel there's a stone being moved away from somebody's tomb. You were stuck in there. You were stuck in that cave like Elijah. You were stuck in that cave like Elijah because Jezebel sent you some news that you didn't like because you were facing, you were facing a Jezebel and you hid in the cave and you were okay with church. But God is telling you, I have not called you just to do church. I called you to be the church. And it's time to come out of that cave and go. Come on, just lift your hands and begin to pray in the spirit. Begin to pray in the spirit. You have what you need right now. You have what you need right now for that problem in your family to be resolved. For that child who's backsliding to come back into the fold. You have what you need. Yes, 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 yes. Holy Spirit of God, blow your wind in this house. Blow your wind in this house. I declare every young person, I declare every young person in this place is pushed into a season of go. Every young person in this place is anointed right now with with a gift of healing right now. Young people are going to make miracles happen in their schools and in their classrooms. I declare it in Jesus' name. I declare marriages, Lord, are, are coming out of the cave. They're coming out of the cave. Marriages coming out of the... I'm not leaving you behind, baby. I'm not leaving you behind, honey. If we're going to do this, we're going to do it together. God is going to use us together. God is going to fill us together. God is going to send us together. I declare every stronghold that has risen up against every marriage in this house, uh, that has risen up against every parent in this house, uh, that has risen up against every family in this house. uh, I declare every stronghold be broken uh, right now, right now. In Jesus' name, uh, relationships restored right now. In Jesus' name, uh, relationships between fathers and sons uh, and and sons and mothers and son and brothers and sisters husbands and wives right now relationships restored in Jesus name come on come on come on just a few more seconds keep praying in the spirit there's a breaking right now there's a breaking right now there's a breaking right now father I declare healing all over this room You heal hearts. You heal bodies. Right now in Jesus. Oh, there's a sweet healing presence in the house right now. There's a sweet healing presence right now. You have the gift. You have the gift. 
just touch yourself wherever you've been affected wherever you have pain whatever's hurting in your body right now God is going to turn it around God is going to heal it right now I declare healing in Jesus name I declare healing in Jesus name I declare supernatural healing in Jesus name backs are restored hips are restored heads are restored migraines have to go in Jesus name cancer is rotted in Jesus name right now in Jesus name oh Holy Ghost Holy Ghost move in this place oh Holy Ghost move in this place Holy Ghost move in this place father there are people who came here scarred father there are people who came here scarred there's scars in the heart uh, because of a lack of forgiveness. Uh, there's scars in the heart uh, because of something that someone said, uh, something that someone did. Uh, so I pray right now that you heal those scars uh, and that 24 hours won't pass uh, until that person can be forgiven, uh, until they can go and forgive so that they can be free to unleash the gift that you have put in them, uh, so that they can be free to go and give God oh in Jesus name right now Holy Spirit of the living God these are your people these are your people Holy Spirit you are in and around them I pray that we're walking into a season of the greatest manifestation this church has ever seen oh Father, I pray that Central enters into a season where we're not just going to count salvations. We're not just going to count salvations. They're not just going to be numbers on a piece of paper next to a name. But there are going to be people in these pews. There are going to be people they're no longer going to be names on a piece of paper that we call during the week they're going to be people in these seats God they're going to be people in these seats Lord we're going to see the harvest God we've been sowing so we're going to see we've been sowing so we're going to see we've been sowing so we're going to see in Jesus' name, we're going to see people transformed. We're going to see people healed. We're going to see addicts transformed. We're going to see alcoholics transformed. We're going to see homosexuals transformed. We're going to see transgenders transformed. We're going to see it. In Jesus' name, we're no longer going to go to Pembroke. Pembroke's going to come here. We're no longer going to go to South Terrace. South Terrace is going to come here. 
We're no longer going to go to the ghetto. The ghetto's going to come here. And you're going to transform them in Jesus' name. This is the season, church. This is the season. It's not about somebody coming from outside. It's, it's all about you. It's all about you releasing the anointing. You releasing the authority. You releasing the gift that God has given you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah! Oh, hallelujah! Hallelujah! Church, you be blessed. Have a blessed 4th of July. Have a blessed 5th of July. Amen. Enjoy your independence. This is the greatest country on the face of the earth because we are blessed by God and God is not done with America yet. God bless you. God keep you. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the Lehigh Valley but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.